This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say. What's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The Wednesday Week is sponsored by the Riverside Cafe, the perfect place for a pre-match pint. And welcome to something of a special Sheffield Wednesday podcast. Now, this is the Wednesday week and the Owls and Merrycast joining forces. And if that isn't quite continental enough for you, we're going to throw in a bit of Danish as well. So um, I'm James Marriott from the Wednesday week and we have um, James Allen, Manhattan Owl from Owls and Merrycast. Now, it would be fairly normal protocol at this stage to say, Good evening, and actually, what you're drinking, James. But it is kind of the middle of the afternoon out there, isn't it? It is the middle of the afternoon. Um, but, you know, I can't really record a podcast without a beer in hand. So I've strategically taken a little bit of time off work. Um, and in deference to our uh, continental collaboration, I've got myself a, uh, a Danish import, actually, um, a, a can of Mikkela, which is uh, Mastodon Mother Puncher, which is pale ale brewed with passion fruit. So I'm looking forward to a passionate podcast, uh, and uh, and yeah, it's it's nice to start the afternoon off in a good fashion. Good stuff. Uh, for the record, I've got a, a Wiper and True, which I think is a Bristol brewery, um, and this is called Kiwi Lilt. And I don't think I really need to add any words of explanation as to what kind of beer it is, considering the name kind of says it all, really. Bit of kiwi, tastes a bit like lilt. Very nice. Um, our third musketeer tonight joins us from, and I hope I'm going to say this right, Aarhus in um, Denmark, uh, Peter Lerman. Um, it's even more evening there, isn't it? You're an hour ahead? Yeah, we're an hour ahead. UK? UK. Yeah, that's right. So it's, it's pretty much bedtime over there, isn't it? Uh, depends. <laughs> For the kids, definitely. Not, but... It's not far off. Yeah. How, how was my pronunciation of Aarhus? It's Aarhus, if it's to be... Uh, I was miles off then. Yeah, no, close enough. 
Usually people go into uh, like uh, madness jabs about, you know, our house in the middle of the street. Uh, yeah. That's what people usually do about. So you're better than that, definitely. Are you uh, are you sticking to Sheffield Wednesday podcasting tradition by cracking a beer open? Yeah, I've got a uh, Fuller's Oak Aged Ale. Uh, it's uh, it's all right. It's uh, a beer my mum brought me, so I'm not really sure what it is, but it's okay. It'll do. Fuller's Fuller's is is Fuller's an American um, brewery. I, th- I, I think see. Fuller's is, isn't it? I, th- I think I think have you two just kind of swapped countries for your have, for yeah. your beers? I think that's. That's very, that's very dignified. That that's very nice. Um, so, um, if you're kind of wondering what kind of brings us together, it, it's there wasn't anything in the Cardiff game that made us think we want to synchronize across three time zones to get together and and chat this evening. Because to be fair, there isn't going to be that much in terms of certainly on the field football chatter because we're actually looking at a particular subject in this podcast, which is it's a bit of a dirty phrase in football now, and that is financial fair play. FFP. So um, think back 18 months ago and the three of us took our seats at Wembley, hoping this was the day we were going to see Carlos's dream come true, Sheffield Wednesday finally making it back to the uh, the big time. I think fair to say that in no one's mind that day was the subject of financial fair play. Now, January 2018, how things have changed. So, um, you know, this podcast is, is is really kind of to do with that. If anything, I'm the interested bystander in this um, in, in this trio. So I'm going to let James pick up the story. Yeah, no, thanks, James. Um, I mean, I think the, the overriding point here is that all of our fan base talks about financial fair play um, pretty actively and pretty regularly. Um, it certainly has over the last six months since it was raised by Dayfon Chansiri at the steering group last year that it was going to be an issue for us in our finances going forward. Um, I think there are very, very few people in the Wednesday fan base who really understand financial fair play. Um, and that, that probably includes not wishing to uh, to talk to you in, uh, two of us on this podcast. Um, so what we, we thought would be really useful would be to take a step back, given where we are now um, with obviously the new regime taking uh, taking hold on the footballing side at Wednesday under Jos Luhukai, um, and really try and understand what financial fair play really is and what it means for the way in which we're probably going to have to recast the Wednesday squad um, over the next 18 months as we gear up for what we hope will be another promotion challenge. Um, but it's going to have a quite a direct impact on the flexibility that the club have, what we do with the playing squad. And we thought it'd be a really good idea to uh, to speak to an expert, which is why we've brought uh, brought Peter into the conversation, who, um, as I think a lot of people hopefully will have seen on Twitter over the last couple of weeks, has been putting out some fantastic analysis of of the detail behind FFP regulations uh, and Wednesday's finances, um, and sort of take a deep dive into to what's really going on, um, what we know, what we don't know, um, and what it might mean for, for the future of Sheffield Wednesday. Um, if you like, act as a bit of a 101 explainer for the whole fan base, hopefully, but uh, for the course of this evening, James, uh, for, for the two of us. And I'll, uh, I'll do my best to try and interpret the bits I understand from a uh, financial accounting and, uh, and business management point of view. Okay, I mean, we should we should probably start at this point with the real kind of basics as to, you know, what what financial fair play is, what the regulations are, and kind of what it means for a club like Sheffield Wednesday. So, um, uh, Peter, just kind of give us that that just you know the 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 bare the, the bare details really, you know, the real simple kind of what what on earth financial fair play is. Well, it's. Uh... 
it, it was put in place because uh, a lot of clubs were um, trying to uh, outspend each other to get to the Premier League. Um, and we, if you cast your minds back about 10 years, uh, a club like Leicester went into administration a few times uh, and just got rid of their debt and then they could start all over by spending uh, lots of money. So FFP was uh, a move that was made to uh, to stop clubs from, uh, from uh, spending themselves into oblivion, basically. Um, and they've changed a bit over the years, but uh, at the moment it's... Um, it's an allowance for a loss of uh, £39 million pounds, um, for three years. And it's a rolling three years. So the current period started in um, in June 2016. So at the end of uh, May 2019, uh, in those three years, we as a football club cannot have made an, uh, an accounting loss of more than £39 million. Pounds. So that's really the figure that, that we uh, under Chen Shiri uh, is aiming to uh, to stay within. And Peter, I think it's fair to say that um, straight away we're into terminology. So when we talk about an accounting loss, that is the loss of the business that is Sheffield Wednesday uh, uh, as a limited company, correct? That's true, yeah. Um, and there's also there's also things that that uh, usually don't get taken into account in the in in the FFP losses, things like uh, investments in in youth development and and stuff like that. Um, but that's that's um, that's that's hard to say from uh, um, uh, from like a, a principle that that it, whether it is in or it's, it's not because it depends on uh, an analysis that is made after the the, the accounts uh, uh, are posted. Um, so so it's the, the the figure that's easy to go with this is really the thirty nine million pounds, uh, which sounds like an awful lot of money, um, especially when uh, when we as a football club uh, don't even make that in a year. Um, but that's that's what we that was that's what we are against and. Um, and 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 the thing that that happens to clubs when if you don't live within the uh, the, the limit of thirty nine million pounds you you uh, you risk a fine uh, which is what has happened to uh, to Queens Park Rangers uh, who got hit with a, a fine of uh, I think it was about forty million pounds um, which if they were in the Premier League they could probably uh, quite easily pay but uh, now that they're in, in the Championship it's uh, it's a bit of a struggle for them so it's not. It's not just uh, it's not just uh, a paper thing, uh, FFP. It's it's actually real and um, and something that clubs have to take uh, take into account um, when they when they're they're setting up their strategies uh, for getting to the Premier League. So straight away, we're in a situation where, as a football club, we can't afford to lose more than a combined thirty nine million pounds over the course of three years, barring a few exceptions, um, which you just detailed. What's to stop uh, a rich owner, uh, a, a tuna magnate from uh, from Thailand, from just kind of pumping in as much of his own money as, as he likes in the form of revenue, um, booking that and uh, and declaring a, a minimal loss in uh, in a season or even a profit if they uh, if they wanted to put more more money in on the revenue side? Uh, well. I don't really know whether there's any examples of it in the in the in the in the English financial fair play, but the the UEFA fair play, which is for the clubs that play in the the UEFA competitions, Europa League and the Champions League, they actually do like an evaluation of the of the accounts and the and the income the club have, and and they look at what they call fair value. So. If Chancery, for instance, uh, decided to say, uh, "Okay, I, I want to sponsor uh, the shirt of, uh, let's say, Tom Lee's, uh, and I want to pay twenty million pounds for that shirt sponsorship," I'm pretty sure the uh, the accountants at the, uh, at the at the football league would say, uh, "Well, that's not fair value. Uh, we don't we don't consider Tom Lee's shirt sponsorship to be uh, to be worth twenty million pounds." 
So they 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 take that the, the, that uh, sum of money and um, and they'd say that that's that is equity that you have put into the club, um, and and clubs are allowed to put uh, some equity equity into the uh, into the club each uh, each season, but but to a certain uh, limit. Um, so so that's why the the, the total losses can't be uh, eradicated by just uh, outspending them, so to speak. So, in other words, um, despite the fact that we've got a very rich owner, um, and despite the fact that uh, that owner wants to put you know significant funds into the club, has already put significant funds into the club, that can't go on unchecked. Um, so, the first thing we need to understand about FFP is everything that the club does in terms of maximising profitability matters, um, and there is a limit on what an owner, a day fund chancery, can put into Wednesday uh, in order to offset it. So, and, and if we get it wrong, then we're in in risk of severe financial penalty um, on, on a rolling three-year basis, which is going to kick in in 2019. Is, is that sort of fair as an approximation of where we stand? It is, yeah. Uh, and, the, and the kick in this is really that if you do get promoted to the Premier League uh, and if you go straight back down, uh, that the season you're doing in Premier League, uh, you're allowed a bigger loss um, for that season than you would if you were in the championship. So the allowances have been made for um, for clubs that, that go up and go back down again because uh, even with uh, the parachute money that, uh, uh, that that the Premier League pays to, to relegated clubs, uh, usually the clubs that come down from a Premier League struggle uh, with the finances when, when they're relegated. Um, so it, that that's why it's uh, it's always a bit tentative when you when you when you're giving an evaluation whether we're within or or, or not within uh, the the FFP regime or, uh, and whether we can comply with it or not. And and the other point that you were saying that what's to stop a rich owner from uh, from spending a, a lot of money? Well, the point is uh, we do have a rich owner, yes, but we're not alone in having that. Uh, most of the clubs in the in the championship, certainly in the in the top half and, and challenging for promotion, have rich owners. Leicester spent uh, 120 million pounds uh, in the four years before they were promoted. Brighton Sona has put in uh, a quarter billion pounds before they were promoted, and and even Brentford, who who uh, a lot of people uh, admire because they're, they're trying to stay within their means, while well, he's put in uh, nearly 100 million pounds um, in the last six years since he took him over. So so it's it's not that uh, by spending money we're 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 getting ahead of the other clubs. It's that spending money like Tenserius is only getting us uh, on a par with the, with the other clubs in the championship uh, in many ways, especially because uh, the clubs that I mentioned are clubs that, that um, have been had, had been in the championship for, for a number of years. Uh, but then you have the clubs that come down from the Premier League and get uh, about £40 million put into their, their coffers each season uh, from the parachute money. Um so, so that's hard to uh, that's hard to uh, to uh, to put up a fight against uh, financially uh, as a as a as a football club, and I think that's often what people misunderstand about Wednesday because uh, yes, we're a big club historically and and um, and our attendance uh, are, are quite high, but if you look at the financial side, we're not really uh, a top club in the championship. We're about top eight. Uh, and um, if the uh, the modern adage of uh, of uh, finances dictating league position, well, then top eight, then having been top six in the last two seasons, is quite good going, considering the resources we do have uh, at our disposal. Um, so I think sometimes people miss the point that that it's not that Chancery has made us the richest club in the championship. No, he's made us the the eighth richest club in the championship, um, so to speak. And, and this is where real numbers are actually our friend, right? Because they they set a hypothesis either in in stark reality or or they contradict it. So, 
what do we know about Wednesday's finances today? We know that um, the most recent accounts, I think, were published for the the season ending two thousand sixteen, which is the the season, obviously, that we um, we made it to Wembley. Um, and we know that Wednesday booked revenues of about twenty two million pounds uh, yep. in that period. Uh, yep. If I'm if I'm correct, if I'm reading actually the, the preparatory statistics that Peter provided us with, um, in, there's a lot of detail behind this conversation. I can promise the listeners. Um, compare that to the amount of money that Hull City, who beat us in the playoff final, um, made in the same period, and you know that they they had revenues almost double Wednesdays of about forty two million pounds, of which roughly almost two thirds was coming from uh, from prior parachute payments from the the Premier League, which is it's just an illustration of the the financial gap that we're trying to make up on the on the revenue side with teams who've who've spent time in the top flight. Um, and actually, Wednesday do reasonably well um, in terms of the, the revenue they generate from a, a championship environment. I think if I'm reading things correctly, Peter, we're, we're the third largest team in the, at least in the 2015-16 um, setup in terms of self-generated revenue, which kind of, you know, it says that Wednesday are in a reasonably good position, but that top eight statistic comes from the, the obviously the four or five teams who've come out of the Premier League in recent years who are trying to, to fight hard to get back in. Yeah, definitely, uh, and th- yeah, that's the issue. Uh, I mean, we're, 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 it's a bit like uh, it's like a bit like um, a greyhound race where you, where you give uh, uh, five of the dogs a, a half a, half a lap's uh, head start. Um, that's what happens with the, the teams that come down from the Premier League. Even even like when when Blackpool uh, were in the, in the Premier League and had uh, tiny um, a tiny wage bill and, and tiny attendances. When they came down, they were still one of the richest clubs in, in the Championship. Um, so, so it's, it's it's something that people need to understand that that Chen Siri is not a guarantee that we can outspend other teams. It means we can probably compete on about a level pecking, but you'll still have teams that can outspend us and give more in wages and give more in transfer fees for for players that, that we want to have uh, at our club. Which um, which brings us to the other side of an accounting uh, profit or loss, which is the amount that you spend. So, you know, in that season where Wednesday brought in £22 million, uh, the first year in which there was a, obviously a cash injection from Mr. Chansiri and, and the Chansiri family, um, how did Wednesday do in terms of profitability and, and, and what was driving the change on previous years? Well, we uh, we made a £9 million uh, loss, so uh, we're, we're not doing greatly in terms of uh, avoiding losses. Though, if you... Uh, if you can do your basic school maths uh, correctly, if you, if you take the, the £39 million pounds, uh, we mentioned at the beginning, uh, which, as I mentioned, was over three years, if you do- divide that by, by three, then, then you allow uh, an average loss of about £13 million a season. So the 15-16 season was, uh, was, within, uh, was, was, uh, was a loss that was within uh, the FFP limits. But the point is, uh, we did spend some money in, in 15-16, but but uh, a lot of the players we've added, especially uh, the more expensive players we've added, have been uh, been been after that. Um, and and our turnover has probably for this for the last uh, in in the last season uh, of sixteen seventeen has probably grown some. But um, I think it's unlikely that that the turnover has grown and the revenue for the club has grown as much as the wage wage bill and the and and the. Um, and the money spent on transfers has grown, so so we we will probably see a loss in uh, in in uh, in the financial year sixteen seventeen, which is higher than the the ten million uh, that we had in in fifteen sixteen. And I think the the reference number here is uh, so we made twenty two million pounds in in two thousand fifteen sixteen. In the same period, we we spent 
we think about 19 million pounds on wages. Uh, so, you know, pretty much simple subtraction. Uh, we, we eliminated pretty much all the revenue we, we had just on the playing staff alone before we got to the operating costs of the club. Um, and then exactly as you said, in obviously following the near miss at Wembley, we went on to take higher earners onto the wage bill, the likes of Stephen Fletcher and Jordan Rhodes, uh, George Boyd more recently, uh, who we have to assume is a, a continuing to, to inflate the, uh, the amount that we're spending on the playing staff with the expectation that those Premier League or near Premier League players on high wages would, would get us over the line. And that was always the bet for the second year of FFP. Um, 2016-17 where obviously we uh, we didn't get quite as close as Wembley but we got fairly close um, and, and if you were to, to describe a strategy um, Dave Fonchan's series strategy it was to get us up within two years of the FFP window um, such that we could absorb a larger loss in the second year maybe larger than that 9 million amount breaching the 13 million in year two uh, but then obviously offset that with, with the much higher revenues that would be associated with being in the Premier League uh, that didn't happen. So is it fair estimation that we are, let's assume we're above the 13 million loss in the accounts that will be published in February um, and then carrying that that spend into the current year? In your analysis, I think you showed that the likelihood is that we would be close to, if not breaching the 39 million at the end of this season. Is, is, is that the right interpretation over the three-year course that we're describing? Yeah, I would say so. Um, so that means if you want to, uh, I mean, most people would agree that, that we need to uh, to have some new players because uh, some of the, the ones we have at the moment aren't, aren't really pulling the weight. Um, so that means that we have to, to sell some of those players before we bring in some other players, um, uh, which we probably would have to anyway because uh, we've got quite a few, uh, quite a big squad. Um, but it also means that you have to be strategic about what, what um, uh uh, strategic about what sort of uh, players we get rid of and w- which players we 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 sell because um, that's the other uh, issue with FFP. It's it's uh, it's it's quite um, it's not really realistic in some ways because um, accountants have their own little reality and uh, and then there's the real reality, so to speak. So if you see like a, a headline um, when we when we sign Jordan Rhodes, so we sign him for ten million pounds. Um, for an accountant, it's not really ten million pounds. Um, so that that also changes it for us because um, what happens in in transfers um, is that if you when you pay an amount of uh, of money for a player in Rose's uh, case, ten million pounds, you actually in an accountant sense divide that transfer fee uh, into uh, in, into the years that his contract runs for, which is three years. So actually. In the year we we bought Rhodes this year, uh, we're actually only paying three point three million pounds for him. Um, but it also means that um, in the coming two years, uh, we'll have our our spending um, uh, possibilities depressed by about three point three million each season, because we're carrying over carrying over, so to speak, uh, the transfer fee we we've paid for for Jordan Rhodes. Um, and the problem with, with with Rhodes in particular, if, um, if 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 we could stay on him as an as an example, if if we do sell him, um, for instance, in January or in the summer, um, we'll actually get uh, we'll actually get a loss uh, in our in, in our accounts uh, FFP wise because then you have to take the money you haven't put into your accounts yet uh, from from the transfer fee uh, all at once. So that would mean we have to subtract six million pounds from whatever transfer fee we get for him, 
again in an accounting sense it doesn't make any sense like if you go to a store and buy a buy a buy a, bo- a bottle of milk or whatever uh you, you pay for that up front and that's it but uh accountants do it differently they they write off uh, they write off the investment uh, over the years they 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 have uh, the the object that they invested in so that complicates matters a lot and it also means that when you spend a lot already it digs into the spending you could do in the future um so we actually already uh, people usually talk about a, a transfer kitty uh, like a, a wallet you carry around with a, with an amount of money in uh, that you can spend on transfers and and that's that's not really the, the the way accountants look at it and that's not the way football clubs look at it because that transfer kitty has already you already have uh, lots of money uh, from that kitty that you have you paid uh, for for transfers already made uh, in the last uh, two or th- two and three years um so so that's that's another issue uh, that even if Chancery had twenty million pounds lying around that he could just spend, uh, notwithstanding uh, uh, the, the potential breach of FFP and, and a fine for that, he's, he he also has to pay uh, in the accounts for uh, for the transfer fees he's already paid. Um, so so that complicates matters a lot, and it makes it it's really uh, it really means that it's not very transparent what happens at football clubs uh, uh, when it comes to, to spending. Um, so, so that's 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 definitely uh, something that that I've struggled a bit with, and and I mean I'm not I've, you you were so kind to to introduce me as an expert in FFP. I really just uh, read a bit up a bit on it uh, to to get my head around it because I couldn't really get it. Um, so thankfully, uh, people wiser than me have uh, have written stuff online and uh, and done articles, and 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 the more I dig into it, the more complex it it sort of gets because uh, there are all, there are always uh, pros and cons to what you can do. So I mean, Roach is a really good example uh, because selling a player should should mean you have money in the bank you can spend. But no, it doesn't work that way in, in the FFP. So if you sold him for, let, let's say, two or three million, which is probably about his mar- his market value, that's probably being generous uh, at the moment, uh, considering the uh, the last few games. Um, it will mean that we have two million less to spend um, in in the uh, in the current FFP uh, period. Um, Strange as that sounds, that's actually uh, the reality that that we as a club have to to face up to when we go into the transfer market. That's really significant, isn't it? In terms of, um, I, I, I've I've been in kind of um, steering group meetings and stuff when when Mr. Chancery has been there, and he he makes the point of saying, "I don't need money." He's not short of money. What he needs is revenue. And I think one of the things to get your head around with financial play, fair play is kind of differentiating differentiating between the two. You know, Mr. Chancery is. He, he's not um, he's not short of money. He's not a poor guy. You know, he's got plenty of money that he can put into the club, but it's it's revenue, isn't it? That then that allows him to spend more when there's more revenue coming in. Hence, hence why we get things like the the club eighteen sixty seven projects and, and and things like that, which are a way of bringing some revenue in that allows him to spend more of his own money as well. Oh, definitely. Um... The problem I have with that is, though, um, if you look at the revenue sources we have as a club, um, the, by far the largest revenue source we have is matchday income. Um, and I mean, if, if you want to increase matchday income, it's about, I think it's about last uh, financial year, 15, 16, it was about 16 million pounds, which is really, really high, actually. It's higher than half the Premier League, uh, believe it or not. Um, probably because we, we made it to, to Wembley uh, in the playoff final, which is, uh, is a good payday. But the point is, 60 million out of our, our revenue of 22 million comes from uh, from match day income, from season tickets and and, and match day tickets. Uh, and and yeah, fine, fine if you want to increase the prices. But I mean, 
even at that time, they were at a level where if you increase them by, let's say, 30%, people would, there would be even more of a revolt than there are presently because you'd have an average price for, for a game of football for, of maybe £45 at least. And people don't want to buy that, uh, don't want to pay that. Um, and and even if you grow sixteen million pounds by by thirty percent, you're not you're not not really getting anywhere uh, uh, financially. It's not adding a lot of millions to to your to your club. Um, and when you're paying out million, uh, maybe a million and a half, two million in wages uh, for each season for, for for just one star player, uh, which is what we're probably currently doing, um, it also puts into perspective that that you 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 can't really outgrow the other clubs revenue wise um which is what i sometimes uh, think chancery is trying to, to to put across um that, that that we can do that um we can catch up to some of the others we, we're still lagging a bit behind especially in uh, in commercial income which probably has to do with uh with our catering and uh, especially our, our merchandise but but again it's probably it's probably about two three million pounds it's in that it's that it's in that ballpark uh and as you as i was saying i mean we're talking about clubs like Brighton who've spent uh, a quarter billion pounds in, in eight years to get promoted. So it's, I mean, it's it's small dice, two or three million, it's small dice. And it is it's what we can do as fans, but we as fans cannot make Sheffield uh, Wednesday the, the, the top-ranking financial club in, in the championship, so to speak. Uh, we're just up against um, relegated teams from the Premier League. We're up against teams that are willing to to hoodwink the, uh, the the entire FFP project, and you're up against teams like like uh, like Wolves, who've uh, who really uh, who really seen what FFP is and and played the system perfectly uh, the way that they've done it. So so what we've done is we've we've bought a lot of players uh, who we, we really can't sell for profit. Um, so that they're, they're going to show up as an expense, whereas a, a club like well, Wolves they've they've uh, bought some really um, some really high profile players for insane amounts of money. Um, but the point is, if they were not to get promoted, those players would want to leave anyway, and they'd probably make uh, a big profit on those players. So financially, it doesn't make a difference to them that they're making this bet. So again, and that, that's actually a really good point to pause for a second, Peter, because it, it kind of it brings us up to present day. Because, it, and I think there was an article that was doing the rounds last week about some of the backstory on on how Carlos was appointed um, and the way that some of the agent networks work in Europe. You know, so some speculation let's call it that you know it's not necessarily grounded fully in fact in terms of how doyen and, and their network work but what it would appear to be is that the calculation that wednesday made two and a half years ago was to maximize the possibilities around the current current revenue source particularly to monetize the fan base that we have which is a large fan base by championship standards and, and by taking prices to, to certainly some of the highest levels in the, the championship higher than many premier league clubs to, to sort of take our revenues as high as we could based on on what we knew, um, everybody pitching in, as, as Mr. Chancery called it, and then to spend that income to the maximum effect on seasoned pros who could get us over the line. That's a different strategy to the Wolf strategy, which was buying saleable assets on block um, over the course of this summer, obviously with a very a very successful manager, um, and, and try and shoot within one year on the, the premise that if it didn't work, they could be sold. We don't have that same parachute, if you will, because a lot of our players are, are well over 30. You know, Their market value is diminishing. Um, and to an extent, we're now stuck with the cost base. Um, 
but obviously having to, to cut our cloth according to FFP. And that, that just reveals, you know, a, a pivot point in terms of where Wednesday's business model is right now, because that, that model isn't sustainable for a further three years once we start to get into to proximity to breach. Um, which, James, I think to your question, you know, when Mr. Chancery is looking for other sources of revenue, that would be great in a world where Wednesday were highly flexible and our fan base was uh, at a level of um, of ability to spend that maybe is consummate to some of the London clubs. But but we know that is not the reality of uh, of life in Sheffield and the the level of wealth that exists around not only the fan base but also the commercial partners that Wednesday have um, in in Sheffield and the South Yorkshire area. So it it, it demands a rethink as we uh, as we head into the back end of the season. So that's 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 my point of view on it. But James, I don't know if you've heard you know different from from the steering group conversations you've been in. Uh, I think it's probably fair to say that the um, the conversations at the steering group meetings have been kind of clear as mud. Really, I'm, I'm not sure that anyone's kind of come away with from those meetings knowing where where we are and kind of what our um, kind of strategy, if you like, is. It's interesting that probably about a year ago, maybe a little bit more, was. Uh, when the subject of financial fair, fair play f- was first kind of raised at a steering group. Um, and Mr. Chancery said, look, you, we don't really need to worry about it right now. But but he did kind of make the point that is that at some point, you know, there'll be a decision that has to be made, which is either we balance the books and we stay within it, or, um, you know, I, if uh, these were his words, you know, I can go out and, and buy lots of players, but if we don't get promoted, then we get a transfer embargo. And he, he asked the people in the room, what what they would want to happen, um, and everyone kind of said, "Look, you know, we've got to play within the within the rules. It's it's not a, a viable option to just go and and, and you know, splurge a load of cash on um, on players in the hope that it gets you over the line." Which we do see a lot of clubs doing, um, and and Brian probably a, a, a key example of um, of that. But on on that subject, Peter, kind of in in your uh, with, with your knowledge of financial fair play, is it as simple as that? Are, are there just those two choices? Do you have the choice of you either play within the rules, stay within financial fair play, you make your books balance, or you just spend way above what you're allowed to and hope that you make it to the Premier League before that that kind of three year timer kind of ticks down to zero. Uh, yeah, I would say so in many ways. Um, well, there are, dif- there, are, there are different subsidies to the two main subsidies, uh, so to speak. I mean, I mean, uh, clubs that do not historically have uh, a big attendances uh, or, or a big fan base, a club like Brentford, for instance, uh, Brentford, sorry, uh, uh, they 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 do their own, their own way of doing it. They, they sign young players um, at below market value uh, transfer fees, then sell them on a few years afterwards, and and they have a young. Uh, players joining them that would normally not consider a club of their, their stature because they know they, they'll, they'll get moved on to, to bigger clubs uh, if they do well at Brentford. So it's, they have a good uh, reputation as, a, as a, a talent developer. I mean, that's, that's really a, a strategy that we, we're not looking into, which I, in many ways, um, think we should consider because um, we have the potential to be a, a really good place for, for players to develop. And, and we have uh, developed some, uh, despite our academy not being really good, uh, we have developed some good players um, that we've signed from other clubs that, that are now playing in the Premier League and, and have even uh, uh, been in the England squad and, and, and playing internationally for other countries. Um, so it's not that we're not incapable of developing players, but it's just like we've given up on it, doing it. It's like we've, we've uh, been telling ourselves in the past few years that we have to sign players that have already done it uh, that has been promoted, uh, won championships uh, or whatever, played in the Premier League. Um, whereas if you look at some of the other clubs that have been promoted, it's it's not 
uh, it's not teams that are that are littered with players that that have already been promoted before for for, for other clubs. They, they, it's it's a mixture between between that and uh, and and uh, and hungry young players that that are, uh, are either bought from uh, from European clubs or from from uh, from lower league clubs and, and that then blossom at the club they they come to and and um, and either go to the Premier League with with the club or get sold on to to maybe a Premier League club or or, or a good uh, foreign team uh, and and uh, and move the career on from there. So so I, I think we're missing a beat. By focusing on buying players of the age of 27, 28, 29, um, and, and and not looking at players of the age of 23, 24, 25, where they still have uh, uh, probably uh, the, the top value of uh, uh, transfer value of their career is probably ahead of them. Where, whereas for most of the players we have at the moment, the, that that value is definitely behind them. The one, the one encouraging thing at this point, and I know James, you you introduced this by saying we weren't going to spend a lot of time talking about on the field matters, at least not kind of you know the, the most recent set of games. But you know we have to acknowledge that there has been a change of management at the club, um, and not only a change of management, but in in the shift to uh, to Yoselhuka, there's been a, a big signal of of change in terms of the willingness to to play those academy players. Uh, Jordan Thornley obviously playing on. Uh, on uh, on Saturday evening uh, against Cardiff and uh, Frederick Nielsen and Conor O'Grady as well before him, Sean Clare coming into the squad. Um, and additionally, uh, we've uh, we've signed Joey Pelopolisi, who I keep on saying uh, incorrectly, um, especially after this very nice Michaela, um, who is a younger player who perhaps does have more saleable value. It, what what maybe we can kind of say at this point, and, and I think this is. You know where, where this conversation becomes very timely is there seems to be a recognition inside the club that we can't continue on the current trajectory that the plan that was intended to deliver us to the Premier League within two years not only obviously didn't work in footballing results but can't be sustained in financial terms that if we are significantly in breach of the, the one-year rolling uh, loss this year then we have to make uh, changes to the playing squad changing changes to our accounting basis next year um, and thereafter and maybe take on board more of those lessons from, from other clubs, which is is actually quite a positive sign of intent. I, I guess the question it raises for me is, you know, what's kind of the worst case of the situation that we're in right now? And, and what's the best case? You know, so, you know, how, how quick could that turnaround be and put us on a, on a different strategy, on a different plan? And, and how much are we locked into the direction that we're in right now? It, it really depends on uh, on uh, Dave and Chanchiri. Um in my opinion, he made a strategic error by by coming into the club and saying, "I will deliver promotion in two years." Um, because while that may have uh, stroked the egos of uh, our ever uh, <laughs> um, ever hopeful fan base, uh, that's, that's putting it uh, putting it kindly. Um, it also meant that it raised expectations levels very quickly. Whereas if you if you look at what uh, what uh, what Jos Luhukai has done after he, after he came in. He's really just talked down expectations. He said, "We're we're a long way from being all right, but we're building uh, the, the steps to towards being better." Um, and I feel that's the sort of way we need to go uh, in terms of of, uh, of of strategy as a club as a whole, rather than just also on the pitch. That we focus on on doing the little uh, and simple things right instead of uh, of proposing grand uh, gestures and proposing grand structures because. Um, I think it's fair to say that, uh, and especially going by the, the recent interview that uh, that Sam Hutchinson did, that the the investments in the club, uh, not in the players, but in the club as a, as infrastructure, has not really been forthcoming. Even though we got all this money, and as I said earlier, in under FFP, 
investments in in the training ground and in uh, youth facilities and all that in a lot of instances that will not count towards ffp so it's it's sort of like free money to spend because you won't get fined for it but we have not spent that money uh for me that is inexplicable because if you look at the <laughs> at the lot across the city um they've uh, they've been fairly successful at the developing talent also local talent so it's not just that they pick up the scraps from premier league clubs but they also actually scour the local teams in the Sheffield area and the South Yorkshire area. I mean, it's a very populous area. It's 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 uh, the the, uh, the the potential for finding uh, future talents in in the in the uh, in the, the larger South Yorkshire area are huge. But we've not been at the races for the past maybe twenty twenty five years doing that. And that's one of the simple little simple things that you can do without spending big bucks um, in any way. And and we need to start doing that. And we need to stop uh, listening to. Uh, fancy foreign uh, agents and uh, and advisors uh, advisory boards and what have you and just focus on on building like the the roots of the club before we focus on building the the, the roof of the club um, and i feel that's what's going wrong and that's that's definitely a strategy for me and it will but it means it means it means chancery telling our fans that i know i said it would take two years to get promotion but if we need to do this right it might take four years it might not never it might never happen but I don't think a lot of people could stand that. <laughs> so it's it's a bit of a pickle that he's in, obviously, uh, strategically. That that he knows that he can't be uh, as as I wouldn't say honest, but he can't be as uh, as business savvy as as he he probably in in some ways maybe wants to be. Um, that he that he has to to toe the the line of of the fans in many ways, and and that could really be hurting us. And that is really what is hurting us because. It's not that uh, that okay. We spent this money, so let's start all over. No, under FFP, you got you got a hangover after spending because, as I said, the spending is divided out over the uh, the period of the contract of the players you sign. So this the the, the match spending on on older players uh, that that hangover will carry on for the next uh, two two and three years before we we out of it, even if you sell some of them uh, or release them or whatever. Um, so so it will take time. It's not it's not like we can just say okay. It's a summer now. Uh, clean slate. We release ten players and start all over. No, we'll still have a, a bill of uh, of maybe fifteen million pounds that we'll have to foot before we start over. And those fifteen million pounds, obviously, they count towards the FFP limit. So that limits us uh, in what we can do after that. Uh, even if we if we if we go over the clean slate uh, in the summer. So in my in my mind, it's. Uh, I, I I appreciate that he he tries to be uh, available for the fan base, but. I still don't think he's being uh, forthcoming with what is really the situation we're in. Uh, and I think people need to know that because uh, as a fan base, and I'm I'm certainly uh, susceptible to this myself, we, we remember the good times we've had uh, as a club, even though they're now uh, quite quite a few years behind us. And we, we want to make that happen again. And that, that pushes us to think that, well, we're, we're still a big club and we're still top eight in the country and all that. But the news is, no, we're not. We're we may be a top thirty-five club in in uh, English football at the moment, and bef- and the, the the sooner people realise that, and the sooner people adjust their expectations to that, the easier it gets for Chancery, for Luukai, and for the players to to uh, to build a football club that can maybe maybe not win promotion uh, in the future because it's not as easy as we've uh, as it has been made uh, to look in the in the last few years. 
Peter, off, off the back of that, something, and I'm actually probably dropping um, back to quite a basic level here, but I think something that's that's relevant to um, to this part of the conversation. In in kind of the last 10, 15 minutes, we've we've touched on there's been kind of the mention of of Doyen Sports and the um, the the work and the the deals that we've done with. Um, with them, I, I heard uh, the weekend from someone about this this player from Feyenoord that we'd been looking at, that he was here, he was ready to sign, but it all came down to uh, what the agent was asking for in terms of a signing on fee. Um, and, and in a, a, a different example, but in a similar way, when, uh, when, when Carlos left and we weren't exactly sure whose kind of call that was, whether or not it was completely mutual. These are all situations where people have, I've heard people say, well, does that count towards financial fair play? You know, do agents' fees count? If you sack your manager and you have to pay him off, does that count towards financial fair play or is that separate? Um, what, when we talk about financial fair play, what, what exactly does fall under it? Is it pretty much everything to do with the expenditure of the club? It is, yeah. Uh, the only exceptions is if you make a profit, the, uh, the taxes you pay. Uh, on the profit as a as a company uh, that is uh, exempted, and uh, as I said, some of the infrastructure investments, and it's not quite clear what is is uh, included and what isn't. But definitely, if you invest in a new youth academy, for instance, you wouldn't get uh, get billed for that, so to speak. If you invest in a new um, training ground, let's let's be honest, Middlewood, Middlewood Road uh, wasn't even modern in the nineties, and uh, and by now it's it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? So so those sort of investments would be able to happen without counting towards FFP. And those are the sort of investments we need to make uh, because that, that is what will uh, make, our, uh, make us a, a better club uh, eight to ten years down the line as well as, uh, as in the next two or three years. And that, that's interesting as well because, you know, that talks about an alternative investment strategy that allows the club to, to invest in the future but not the immediate promotional future by which I mean getting us to, to where we all want to be in the Premier League. Uh, you know, your question directly, James, that, you know, do agents' fees do um, do the spend that we incur on manager changes, etc. Count? It, it all counts, and and this this is why we're in such a potentially perilous position because those are not inexpensive costs anymore. Um, you know, agents' fees, you know, as as we hear it reported, run into the millions of pounds. Um, and I think Wednesday have actually, to this point, to my understanding, done a reasonably good job of of walking away when when those have been posed. Um, and I think there are several occasions where that that's happened now. Um, but all of that counts, you know. If you're running a small business, if you're, uh, you know, if you're producing something and you, you know, you, you're obviously selling it at, at a certain price point, you have to load all of the costs of that production on, and that that's the case with Wednesday. So, you know, when there's a lot of debate about why the prices of executive boxes are so high, and, and Mr. Chansiri talks about wanting to make sure that they are profitably economically profitable for the business what he's doing is he's taking all of those costs all of those fees from agents all of the wages of players uh, all of the transfer fees and he's spreading them across the the operations of the business to see whether the the revenue is is justifiable um and and that's that's what people need to get their head around if wednesday spend money unless it's on those few items that people peter is referencing then it counts um and therefore wednesday need to be very careful about what they spend on and how much they spend yeah, and obviously the biggest problem in this conversation is the uh, the the um, the revenue gap that we have with the Premier League because it means that every year you have about fifteen clubs in the Championship who essentially buy a lottery ticket uh, in the in the vain hope that they'll be one of the three clubs that get promoted and have just one season in the sun, uh, which could set them up financially for the next ten years if uh, if they use that money wisely. 
um, especially with the, the latest TV deal in, in, uh, done for the Premier League. I mean, you're looking at a minimum of £100 million pounds, uh, that you'll get, uh, and that's just in the, in the first few seasons. Then you have the parachute uh, pay, payments and all that uh, afterwards. It's, it's a massive amount of money that you, you get in, put into the uh, club if you happen to uh, win uh, a season with promotion. And we almost did it. I mean, we're just, uh, <laughs> we're just about uh, 30 minutes away from doing it uh, a few years ago, weren't we? So you can understand why people think that it's oh just just a little more spending just a little more spending it it's 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 a very uh, it's a very alluring uh, way of thinking that that you can outspend the other clubs but but as I hope has been made clear we we really can't do that if I mean if we do that if Tenshiri says to heck with it um, I'm selling uh, John West Tuna uh, and I'm investing the uh, the three billion I have uh, Manchester City style into buying uh, World Stars for Sheffield Wednesday then we'll get a fine that we'll have to pay uh, in the Premier League and we'll have to sell those uh, star players again anyway uh, you could go the other way and he could say I have to cut uh, cloth accordingly um, and the likelihood that we'll be get lucky one season is probably uh, not that high in the in the next few seasons because of the the, the squad we have assembled, um, and, and and he'll be be pounded for that, and and we'll get let we we will be a less attractive uh, uh, proposition for for a lot of players and and and, and managers as well, uh, and maybe even for the for for, for our fan base. Um, uh, so so it's I mean it's a bit of a damn if you do damn if you don't scenario for for Chan Siri, but. Uh, just to bring it back to my point, that I think in some ways he's brought it on, on himself because he's not been, from the outset, he's not been uh, realistic in trying to set expectations with the fans. Um, he, he's tried to tell us that uh, if we bought into this, if we bought the uh, 1867 club, if we bought the three season tickets, uh, if we bought this, this shirt at the extortionate prices he's asking, we'd get promotion. And that's just a false bargain uh, because that that amount of revenue that you raise from that is is minuscule uh, compared to, uh, to to what you you see other clubs getting in, uh, and it, it may move us from from the eighth uh, in in the financial league in the championship to seventh, but that is not uh, that's not decisive, is it? Um, so I just I'm just asking for a bit more. I wouldn't say honesty because I'm, I wouldn't say Tanseri is honest. He's he's uh, perhaps sometimes too honest. Uh, in in uh, in his dealings with uh, individual fans, um, but I'm just lacking that sort of uh, setting the expectations right and and trying to to talk sense into us as a fan base because we can get both bipolar and the hysterical, can't we? Uh, the rest of times, so so I've, I mean it's 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 a uh, it, it's a hard situation uh, that we're in, and it's a lot harder than I think most people realize, uh, and it's not easily fixable. This will take could take at least two years. Um, and that's that's banking on Jos uh, Luhokai being uh, being the right guy and being able to find some bargains akin to uh, Pelopesi and, uh, and other uh, and other players from from for instance uh, the Dutch league or, or the German uh, second Bundesliga or, or wherever, um, which which is um, which is a bit of a lottery in in its own right because there's a reason those players are playing in that level. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a depressing message, but um, there are no easy short-term solutions for me. We either we either uh, rip off the uh, the bandage quickly and and uh, have the pain uh, subside quite quickly, and then start building from there, or we we peel it off slowly and and postpone the postpone the pain for for the next few seasons. Um, that's really the choice we're in. And 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 um, I, I mean, the the more you look into this, the more you kind of do realise that it is almost 
it feels like an almost impossible situation and, and, and you kind of talking about it there. Um, and I'm trying to think, right, well, what, what is the answer to this? And it, it is really difficult to, um, to, to come up with it J- just to kind of put this into some kind of context. Cause obviously what we're talking about here and now is, is obviously Sheffield Wednesday. Um, how, how do other clubs in the championship kind of fare in, in relation to us? Because, the the harshness of financial fair play to me I'd kind of expect well surely every club in the championship or pretty much every club in the championship is is going to be in this situation and um you know we we, we as you said there it, it can kind of feel a little bit depressing when you when you think about it and talk about it um if you look at clubs like Birmingham who are bottom of the table and and the, the amount of money that they've spent over the last 12 months um and even Sunderland and the situation that they find them, them themselves in um you know are, are, are there clubs where the it is as, as, as simple as it looks in terms of just how much worse it is for them than it is for us uh, I would say so yeah uh Sunderland in particular because they've um, um as I remember seeing anyway reading anyway um They've carried a lot of uh, the wages uh, with them down. I, th- I think there's an article recently about uh, Jack Rodwell and his his wages being about something like insane, like fifty, sixty thousand a week, or something like that. And he, and he's not had a deduction uh, to his wages uh, after after relegation, which is usually what happens when you get relegated. And that sort of mismanagement, which let's be honest, on Sunderland have been going on for, for a number of years. And Birmingham, if you hire Harry Redknapp, you're not you're not really uh, the epitome of a well-run club, are you? Um, so those are clubs that that definitely they they are uh, in a worse state than we are because um, they 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 are the clubs that that we will get to be if we continue on the on the current course for let's say two years. Um, I'm quite certain of that. Um, and obviously Sunderland uh, are a bit different because they have a, a cushion from uh, from the, the parachute place payments from from the Premier League. But Birmingham are have really. They've all almost took, took uh, taking our strategy and and uh, and put it on steroids uh, because they've bought really really uh, uh, expensive players with no sell on value at all, uh, and and they've not been really good, have they? Uh, considering that the league position, but but the point is, I think it's really really interesting, isn't it, Peter? That you know when you make that that case, um, you know, there's only so long that a team coming down from the Premiership can hold on to those players at high wages as as parachute payments decrease. Um, but there was a stat I saw which um, just absolutely boggled my mind. I think it was Stoke City that you know our our 22 million revenue booked in 2015-16 eclipsed what Stoke generated in matchday ticket sales uh, and, and commercial revenue by by some margin. But Stoke booked a total revenue of the same year of over 100 million pounds. Yeah. So they, they basically would took took 80 million out of the uh, out of the broadcast contract and and it was that money that was allowing them to pay the wages that allows them to attract european you know uh, star players to uh, the potteries on a cold tuesday if sunderland bring those players down into the the championship and those parachute payments uh, diminish th- that's a fast path to ruin isn't it and, and i guess what you're saying is that for clubs like birmingham who don't have those parachute payments to take on costs like they have is is just an absolute catastrophe for a football club and and ends up with a, a blackburn like situation very quickly and, and that's the risk that we run it, it is yeah i mean it's it's not too many years ago that we were, we were in in london and we were about seven minutes away from from being uh, terminated as a, as a company and as a football club so it's not it's not something to be taken lightly in my view uh, because um the only reason that we're we're still in business is different chancery if the French tomorrow decides, right, I've had, had enough of this, 
people bickering online and I've been uh, serving Twitter for, for several years now and I know exac exactly how negative people are and all that. If you decide to say, okay, that's it, I'm packing in. Uh, my son will support some other team. We'll, we'll find somewhere where else to invest. Uh, that's it. We, 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 we're screwed. Um, and, and, and the same thing is, is true for about, I would say about 16, 17 of, of the clubs in the championship. If the, if the current owner decides to say, okay, that's it, I'm, I'm out of it, uh, I'm selling, uh, then, then, then they'll struggle, um, especially if, if Tensiri cannot sell us for the same uh, price that he, he bought us for. Um, uh, so it's, and, and he'll probably want to hold out for, for, for a decent fee for the club. Uh, and who's to say that he wants to stay? I mean, he's he's saying things to the contrary. I, I, I realize that, and he's 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 been very, uh, very forthcoming in 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 saying he's he's a he's a loyal guy and he, he wants to stay for the for the bitter end, and and uh, this is a long term thing for him. But I mean, it's it, it for me if if I was in his shoes and I'd, I'd had the uh, uh, the reactions uh, that he's had um, and and uh, and the, the petulance that our members can sometimes throw up. Um, I would have been gone for for, for a long time ago, uh, and found some some other club to invest in because it's not no longer really about having uh, a large organic uh, uh, revenue base as a football club because we have that. If we stripped away all the uh, all the the malarkey with the with the uh, the TV money and all that, we'd be a, a top three club in the in the championship, and we'd we'd probably uh, be be a bit annoyed about not being in the in the in the, in the top fourteen in the country because if you look at the uh, you mentioned the, the clubs in the Premier League before. I mean, our match day income uh, dwarfed that of, uh, of uh, half the Premier League uh, in fifteen sixteen. Uh, just to put that into context, and and it's, uh, I mean, that says it all about uh, us having an organic uh, base as a club that is better than most clubs. But the the point is, these days that does not count because everyone's got a rich owner, because everyone's buying a lottery ticket to get to the Premier League to extract hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds to their to their parent companies here, wherever they are. Uh, I mean, look at the number of foreign owners in England compared to, to Germany, compared to France, compared to, to, to Spain. There's a reason they're coming to England because uh, the lottery ticket, uh, the potential payout in that lottery ticket is a lot higher in England uh, than it is in the, in the, in the other countries. Um, and, and, and you don't, I mean, that, the, the perverse thing is uh, for the last 20 years, uh, rich owners getting into football have not gotten into football uh, for financial reasons. They've done so because of, uh, of, uh, of sentimental reasons, uh, because they supported the club, uh, because uh, they wanted to, to, uh, to spend the money that they earned on something fun and what have you. But um, we're actually seeing a change now. And I mean, the, the Glazers at Manchester United were, were probably the first, uh, first change of that. That people come into football now, buy football clubs because they know they can make a profit. And if you look at the Premier League clubs, the profits they make these days, it's it dwarfs our our entire revenue uh, several times over. And that's a profit. That's not the revenue. That's a profit they take out every year, uh, which means they can uh, enlarge the stadium. They can uh, enlarge ties with with other countries uh, for commercial revenue. They can obviously buy the, the best players, pay them the, the highest wages, and and so on. So that's really the, the, the reality we're in. It is that every club's got uh, a rich uncle uh, uh, bankrolling them, and, and we're no different. But our uncle isn't uh, richer than the others. Uh, and, he, and even if he was, which he isn't, he couldn't spend uh, all his uh, uncle riches uh, on us if he, if he wanted to because of uh, financial fair play. On, on that subject, um, 
And I, I mean, I, don't, I, I I'm, I'm going to say this is a, a is a question. Um, I, I don't know whether it is or, or isn't, but it's just, I guess, a scenario really. Um, to, to, to clarify before I say, it, I am in no way suggesting that Sheffield Wednesday or any other club would 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 do this or is is looking at doing this. But but generally, the the owners of football clubs uh, are generally people that have other business interests that have other businesses um would there be a reason why if 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 um you know football club a were to go out and and buy uh, a football player whose wages um needed to be thirty thousand pounds a week um would there be anything to stop a football club paying them five thousand pounds a week but then they also have a contract with a completely separate company. Um, let's say it's, um, I don't know, a furniture removal company, which happens to be owned by the same owner, um, who pay them £25,000 a week in consultancy fees. I'm not suggesting there's any clubs that, that do this currently or would even consider it. Um, but is is there is that something that, that could ever happen? Is, is it, Are there safeguards to stop that kind of thing happening? Uh, as, as I understand them, there are, yeah. Um, I mean, we saw that with the whole. Uh, was it? Wasn't it? Uh, Carlos Tevez. Uh, he was owned by by uh, by an entity outside of football, an on football club. Um, but I mean, it's it's uh, as I understand it, it's quite uh, it's 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 quite prevalent in uh, in Spain and Italy, especially uh, that you have uh, third party owners owning a share of, of the players, and even other clubs owning shares and players, um, and 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 that makes transfers uh, quite quite complex. But the short answer is you, you can't really do that because uh, it's, uh, even, I mean, if if the FFP uh, uh, regulation guys at the EFL uh, pick up on on you, as I said before, the, the fictive uh, uh, ten million pound uh, shirt sponsorship deal for for Tom Lee's shirt, um, if they pick up on that, they're sure as hell going to pick up on uh, on on people um, um, in this way trying to to uh, to. to uh, to, to fund a club uh, without um, having the, the the funds appear in, in the accounts of that club. Yeah, and there's something in, in accounting policy called related parties clauses, which essentially obliges people who are putting revenue into either a, a company uh, or an affiliated company uh, who are a, a majority shareholder to disclose those, re- those payments. Um, so if you look at our most recently published accounts, for example, uh, Mr. Chansiri has to make a disclosure about the sponsorship deal that um, the Chansiri family made or the Chansiri organization made for the, for the North Stand, um, as was a couple of years ago. Um, and the same thing would be true for, I would imagine, you know, some of the, the organizations which have, uh, have been set up around Wednesday in the last couple of years, that there's a limit uh, in in which how much they can put in on the fair market value that Peter described earlier on, and, and I think that's kind of the the logic you have to apply to all of this, which is that you know ultimately FFP is adjudicated by the league. They have their own accountants. You know they're smart enough to be able to ask pretty sensible questions, such as is this is this a reasonable amount to pay a player of this market value. Uh, on a weekly basis, so you know, you say you bring a player in from the Premiership, and he was previously on thirty-five thousand pounds a week, which is probably low by Premiership standards, and you're paying him five thousand a week. That's giving me a red flag that something dodgy is going on, and there's uh, there's somebody or something uh, behind the scenes which is cross-funding it. So you kind of play yourself into trouble if you were to go down that route. And um, I would imagine that the consequences of of hiding um, payments or revenues in in that way would actually be much more significant than just the straightforward FFP fines of, of breach on a on a year by year loss basis as well. 
just to add, if you did that in the in the UEFA regulations for the FFP, you'd get barred from uh, from from playing in the Champions League and, and the Europa League. So that's for, for a lot of clubs in Europe. That's the main uh, income they'll have. That's the Champions League. So that's a that's a big thing for them. Um, so that stops. That's a, an incentive to not do it. Really, I mean, Peter, kind of taking everything into account that we've that we've kind of discussed over the course of the last hour um and you know particularly with kind of the hints that we've seen at a slight change in our in our approach maybe um putting a little bit more um kind of trust and 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 giving our kind of younger players a bit more of a chance uh, do you do you think that maybe we've just about got this in time or do you think that the conversation that that we've just had about financial fair play will be the first of many very serious conversations about financial fair play among Sheffield Wednesday fans over the next year, two years? Well, that's a tricky thing because, uh, again, that depends entirely on on Dave and Chansiri. Um he could decide to say, "Okay, I'll uh, go up with a with a bang and then just throw everything he has uh, financially at it for one season and try to get promoted." Um, but I'm seeing Jos Luhukai's appointment as a as a signal that, as you, as you were saying, that he's choosing to to uh, both comply with the FFP, uh, which he actually disagrees with, um, uh, which I also do for 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 different reasons than than him probably, but but I but I actually do. Um, but but you, you I, I mean you you can only view uh, Luca's appointment as as uh, as, as someone who who, uh, who who builds a team slowly uh, and and yes he's had teams promoted in in in, in Germany but his his uh, effect on teams has usually been to to get rid of uh, of, of a lot of deadwood and and uh, and get the team playing football again and and uh, I mean instead of trying to appoint someone who get, who'll get us a pro- promoted which I actually don't think Luca has been been appointed to do. I think he's been appointed to to uh, to get us right and and uh, and put us on on a course again instead of uh, being rudderless, which we have been for maybe since the summer, maybe before uh, the summer, uh, when you look back on it anyway. Um, so I, I think um, this can be salvaged definitely. And and uh, if you look at at some of the teams that have gone up, uh, maybe par- partly lucky, but also partly uh, through being thrifty. Uh, I mean, Huddersfield is is a good example. Uh, you can actually. Uh, Try to cut your uh, cloth accordingly and still um, be successful for for, for one season, uh, which we did actually in in fifteen sixteen because we we only in in uh, inverted commas only made a, a loss of of nine million, but but uh, nearly made it to the Premier League, didn't we? So, so it's amazing. If you talk in Sheffield terms and you talk about only making a loss of uh, of nine million, I mean, that's, <laughs> it, it's remarkable what football has done, hasn't it? Or how football has changed that you can talk about a club like Wednesday being able to afford to make a ten near ten million pound loss and, and to consider that a success. But I, actually, if you look at the uh, sorry, just to make a small point, if you look at the uh, the Wednesday accounts. Um, when, when you make a loss, you have to tell the tax uh, authorities that you've made a loss, and then the tax authorities will uh, will add that up to the loss you've made before. And, and there's a, a wonderful uh, line in the uh, in the accounts where it says that uh, Wednesday have now uh, made a combined loss of sixty five million pounds, which is the losses we made in the last God knows how many years that they've added up. Yeah. So, so we've never made a profit, uh, or not in, in in many years anyway. And 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 it's that's not what FFP is about. FFP is about limiting clubs. Uh, by being uh, uh, spending extortionate uh, amounts of money to to be successful, it's not trying to make them a profitable business because football will never be profitable for for more than uh, maybe forty clubs around the world. 
it, it won't be in this current incarnation. Ironically, the one year we did register a profit was the year I think that the ownership changed hands to Milan Mandaric and uh, and we wrote off all our debts. So it, 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 we made on paper a, a very tiny profit, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it's a litany of of losses and a, just an exemplar of how model, modern football has changed. But I think to revert to the the question you're posing, James, you know, has this been caught in time? There's one other indicator that suggests that Wednesday are changing their strategy, and that's the appointment of uh, Ketri Mier. Uh, as our CEO, which, you know, obviously on face value was met with a lot of derision because of her record at Charlton and the relationship she had with the fan base there. But if you look at the underlying role that she was playing, there was already a downward trajectory at Charlton when she came in. You know, I think there was a recognition that they needed to to adjust to, to life well outside the premiership and obviously descending into League One. And she to an extent, was responsible for steadying their financial ship, albeit perhaps not in a, a way that resonated well with the fan base, um, in the face of FFP regulations and keeping them within those guidelines. And if, if you take the controversy away, if you assume that she's learned some lessons from, from that experience, which current um, communications would suggest that at least she is on record as saying that she has, then there's an indication that that Mr. Chancery and Wednesday are looking to to try and you know more overtly manage their cost base, certainly on the playing side, uh, in terms of direct contract negotiation, uh, thinking more carefully about the type of fees that they expend, um, and, and you know and trying to cut our cloth accordingly so that we mitigate the the pent up. Uh, losses that are already locked in due to the contracts that we've signed and due to the fees that we've paid. The other advantage is that we haven't paid too many um, excessive uh, transfer fees. So Rhodes is to an extent an exception in the the higher end of the range uh, championship levels that we're obviously carrying on a book value basis year by year. The majority of other high earners that we've brought on have been free transfers. Uh, so, um, you know, George Boyd, Stephen Fletcher, we didn't pay an upfront fee. So although we're carrying their wages, uh, we don't have to carry that, you know, that book value of, of a transfer fee to expend as well. So there are some glimmers of hope and some glimmers that we are we are catching this in time, but I think to Peter's point earlier on, it's not a one-season correction. Um, and to the Brighton example, we keep on coming back to it. Took them five years to get to the Premier League while still injecting a significant amount of cash behind the scenes. So this all points to us having to take a more realistic view to what's possible for Wednesday in the short term. And, and I guess that's kind of probably an appropriate point to to bring the conversation to a head. Um, we've spent over an hour, you know, going into the details of what FFP is, the reality of Wednesday's finances, what what is, is not possible. Um, it's probably a good place to end on a slightly more upbeat note that this is complex. This is going to define how Wednesday go forward. It's certainly going to define the way that Los Yuakai reshapes the squad, but um, there are positives out there and, and we have to hope that this is the the wake-up call that Wednesday needed to, to change course and to set on an upward trajectory. So um, I think, you know, from my point of view, Peter, I'm I'm hugely thankful to you for your insights and the detail that you've you've brought to the conversation and, and helping our fan base, I think, to grapple with what's a, a really difficult subject to get your head around. Um, and, and hopefully this conversation has done something to, to help at least those people who've stayed awake for the last hour to... Um, to do just that so uh, James um, you know this has been probably the first collaboration that we've directly done uh, between the Americast and uh, the Wednesday week um, I guess if anybody has any other uh, subjects of interest we can uh, we can drive, try and delve into them in another panorama-esque episode uh, in, uh, in a few weeks time or not as the case may be 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, obviously we are kind of blessed now with with a number of options for um, f- for any Wednesday fans that, that do enjoy listening to, um, to podcasts. Um, obviously, uh, the Wednesday week, I, I'm guessing most people listening to this will will be aware of. You can catch up with what we're up to at uh, thewednesdayweek.co.uk. Find us on Twitter at TWWcast. Um, James, do you want to give a, a, a mention for uh, for you guys? Absolutely. You can find the Owls Americast on Twitter uh, at Owls Americas. Um, the uh, the member constituent members are all there. Uh, I won't list them all off, but uh, Jeffrey Pastranostro uh, is your uh, is your man if you want to find him for uh, for both baseball and football chat. And uh, and I'm at Manhattan Owl um, if you want to uh, abuse my take on uh, on financial accounting practice. And Peter, does tonight um, mark the beginning of the Danish Owls cast? Is this likely to be coming soon? Um, I think that would be taking it a bit too far, but I've really enjoyed uh, being able to talk to you guys tonight. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a pleasure to being on tonight. Um, and if if anyone's uh, for, if anyone's uh, even more masochistic and wants to hear more about uh, yeah weird analysis uh, of statistics related to football on Wednesday and and accounts, then uh, my Twitter is uh, at p l o e h m a n n. Um, but I've already warned you. It, it can get a bit technical there sometimes. But but just uh, pop in and uh, if you have any if any st- stats related or accounts related, I guess now as well, uh, questions or, or queries, then just uh, shoot. Uh, I, I like looking at uh, numbers, I guess, and spreadsheets. So <laughs> there you go. I, I would I would echo that and say that um, kind of the the stuff that we've talked about, the stuff that we've touched on tonight, and we've I mean we've talked for more than an hour and still barely really scratched the surface of of the complexities of um, financial fair play. Um, obviously, Peter, your your Twitter has um, a, you know a multitude of, uh, of 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 kind of links to analysis that that you've done. I know you do a lot of links to to, to other pages that are really interesting as well. So if financial fair play is something that you you, you it's kind of you know this is what you whistle a little bit for finding out more, then um, have a gander at um, Peter's Twitter um, and um, and see what else you can find. But that I think will just about bring us to um, the the close of this kind of special collaboration um, podcast, as James said, um, could well be the uh, the first of many. Any suggestions for anything else that you'd like us to kind of get our teeth into, um, please either drop me a line. You can get me at James Marriott or um, you can get hold of James at Manhattan Owl. And um, hopefully we'll speak again very soon. Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. 
it's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing, ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points, back of the net. Lubosh. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.